So I guess this is uh, <laughs> take two <laughs> of everything. Yes. Um, yeah. Facing fear biblically. Yeah. Take two. Take two. <laughs> uh, Beverly sent me a a meme. She says, I don't know what's going to happen if they shut down the, the grocery stores and we have to hunt for our own food. I have no idea where Doritos live. <laughs> I was like, okay. Somebody somebody asked me the other day, they said, Pastor, what you going to do? I said, well, I'll tell you where I'm going to start. I said, boo, we got lots of squirrels. I said, I'm good for at least two weeks in my yard. Right. Just just in your yard. Just, just in my yard. Just expand behind, yep. beyond that. You're good to go. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, you're good. This is Truth Talks. Welcome back, everyone, to the Truth Talks podcast. I'm your host, Buddy Boone. Uh, hey, how are you doing? It's it's good to uh, see you. Not really, because we haven't seen a whole lot of people, and I really, really miss that. I think I tweeted the other day. I miss hugs and I miss handshakes. Yeah. Like. This the, is how the elbow thing just doesn't cut the it. The elbow thing just doesn't cut it. I and mean, the foot shuffle is ridiculous. Yeah. I just, I am really like missing uh, fellowship with, with people. I will do this though. Uh, with me is the non COVID uh, <laughs> Pastor Matt White. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing good, buddy. It's always a joy to be able to have some personal contact. And so yeah. here we are recording this, which means, yeah, we're, uh, we, which means they haven't shut us down completely yet. Not yet. Not yeah. Yet, so. When you hear him over the airways uh, as like a, a phone call type of thing, then you'll know that this has actually been like they they've shut us down completely in Maryland. Yeah. No, nope, we're, we're so far we've got a few a few opportunities left. So yeah, so we'll take advantage of them. Yeah, we're pretty far away from each other. Well, not like like he's not like across the room in another room, but it is a. Uh, uh, a mandate in the state of Maryland right now is it ten or more? Yeah. Uh, so it's just less. so it's just the two of us. Yeah, we're under that. Yeah, well under that. So um, not even if you try to multiply it by three, you can't do that. It's just <laughs> yeah, it's two, just two of us, just the two of us. That's all. Yeah. All right. <laughs> now we get into the serious part because, as you probably know, if you're listening to this and you have not been, uh, uh, you know, in a state of you know, away from all types of media that there is a pretty serious uh, virus that is being spread uh, in more ways than one, Uh, not just the virus of the COVID, but the virus of fear. Mm -hmm. And we're talking sinful fear. Uh, Mm -hmm. And this is what we, uh, well, what Pastor Matt has been uh, going over the last couple of Sundays with us. Mm-hmm. And with that in mind, I have a couple of questions that we are going to ans- uh, ask um, of him and he's going to answer. Um, and with this, I-, I-, I do want you all to take uh, what we're saying and uh, line it up with scripture. You know, if you have any questions, please ask, but uh, he's going to give a very biblical answer to the um, hmm. the whole idea of fear. And that's what he's been doing the last couple of uh, weeks. So here we go. The first question would be this. Um, you talked about two types of fear today, and this is today, meaning March 22nd, the uh, live stream that he did. You talked about two types of fear. 
can you just give a quick like here you go this is the the two types of fear mm-hmm. that yeah. uh that you talked about today yeah really i talked about three because there's essentially you're talking about the categories of fear yeah yeah so took, there's yeah there's i did take notes I yeah was listening. that's all right there there essentially are three in the scriptures right you know, okay basing everything upon the word the word uh describes fear in three different ways um throughout the Bible, there's what's called natural fear. That is uh, the fear that's just part of our humanness, that we are just naturally afraid of things that are dangerous, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a natural fear of uh, that which is harmful to us and that which is uh, from uh, to protect us. So we have a natural fear that protects us from all that is uh, dangerous. And the Bible speaks of that in many different ways. We see that come up uh, even in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 2 where God commands Adam and Eve to not <clears throat> sin i.e. to not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil mm-hmm. right and he gives them a motivation for that which was what natural fear when mm-hmm. he says if you do this you will surely die mm-hmm. and what he was doing there is is essentially bringing out that reality that we all know if you jump off a cliff you're going to die so we don't jump off of cliffs because we have a natural fear of death right right and that's good right that protects us god puts that within us that's why we um that's why we lock our doors at night because we have a natural fear of somebody coming in and harming our family we we wear our seat belts when we get in the car in large part because we have a natural fear of being flipped out of the window if the car wrecks. We get and home before curfew. Exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. We have a, Right now we have a natural fear of this virus, so we wash our hands incessantly and use uh, you know antibacterial everything. And so that is just driven by a natural fear, and that is, and that is good in mm-hmm. the Bible. Many references to that in the scriptures, and which is a good thing. So natural fear is not bad. It is a gift from God when it is focused on uh, protecting that which is right, good, and true from God's perspective. So when you have a natural fear that fears for the health of someone else, right? Mm -hmm. We naturally fear for our children's health, meaning we have a concern, a worry for our children's health. So we protect them. They eat vegetables because we naturally are concerned for their health, right? right? That's why we do that. Well, that's good because that's what God demands of us as responsible stewards and parents. So when we have a natural fear of that which is right, true, and good, this is key, from God's perspective, then that is fine. That is good. There's nothing wrong with that. It's when we have a fear of something that is not right from God's perspective, then then we're we're um, moving into the realm of sinful fear, but but natural fear is is, is that, and it is uh, it is good. It is a good thing and protective. The other type of fear then is is the fear of the Lord, mm-hmm. and so you have the natural fear, and then you have the fear of the Lord. And uh, what's interesting in Scripture, and this is the dilemma, is that sometimes we're told to fear. We're commanded to fear, and Mm -hmm. other times we're commanded not to fear. Mm -hmm. And so you have this dilemma when you're studying the word fear and all the words that go with it and all the the concept that's driven by those words. You're really in this dilemma of like, all right, so are we to fear or not to fear? Well, the answer is yes, right? (laughs) The answer is yes. Right. So you have to understand what kind of fear are we talking about. Mm -hmm. That's why understanding fear is so vital because not all fear is the same. Some fear is good. Some fear is bad. Some fear is neutral, or natural fear would be it's good in that if it drives you to trust the Lord, 
right? To mean, if natural fear is meant to drive you to fulfill your duties and responsibilities before the Lord while you faithfully trust in the Lord. Mm -hmm. That's what natural fear is. I'm commanded by God to be the protector of my home. That's one of my responsibilities, God given by God. Therefore, I lock my door at night and uh, to seek to protect my family. Why? Because that's a natural fear that drives me to fulfill my duty. Right. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. But natural fear can be neutral in that it's not good or evil. It can go one way or the other, depending on how you respond to it. But <clears throat> the fear of the Lord is what's most often spoken of in Scripture. It's mm-hmm. the fear of the Lord that is used most often in Scripture. It's, it's from Genesis to Revelation, hundreds and hundreds of times in the Old and New Testament. That is a, 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 a awe-struck respect for God that is mingled with a right, holy fear and dread and terror for who he is and what he will do. So it's not just a, a respectful awe, but it's also a right, holy dread and terror of his judgments and his wrath and his holiness. So it's an intermingling of both, mm-hmm. uh, and where we see, like in Romans eleven twenty two, where we are to remember both the the, the uh, grace and severity of God, right. right? And we hold his character in full, in full uh, complement, both his goodness and his wrath, right? And he is both. And so uh, the biblical fear of the Lord does that. Mm-hmm. The primary use of the fear of the Lord is a reverential awe that leads to humble adoration, faithful worship, and submissive obedience. But there's also plenty of scriptures that intermingle into that, this right sense of fear and dread of who he is. Hebrews 12, uh, Hebrews yeah, 12, 28 uh, 29 speaks of the reality of our God is a consuming fire. Mm-hmm. Therefore, let us worship him in fear and awe, right? right? And so that reality of there it is, right? And um, so oftentimes you'll even see in uh, in the same verse where you'll have fear and terror mm-hmm. used, right, in the same verse. So, so the fear of the Lord is what's spoken of, and then you have what's called sinful fear, and that is fear that actually drives you away from God. That is fear that actually inhibits or prohibits you from faithfully following God. Mm-hmm. Any fear that takes you away from God, any fear that that uh, doubts God's word, distrusts God's character, demeans God's grace, and um, totally denigrates God's purpose for your life is sinful fear. Mm-hmm. And all fear not the fear of the Lord, but all natural fear can easily become that. And that's the, that's the scary nature of, of fear. Because fear at the end of the day, in its most basic understanding, is an emotion. It's a feeling, right? So it's an eternal emotion that, that comes up from inside. It's an emotion of the heart. It's an attitude of the mind that results in a reaction of the life. So it's an internal emotion that wells up that then brings out an external response, mm-hmm. right? Um, a person jumps into a, a, a raging river. Another person, especially a, a parent, will jump in that raging river despite the fear, right? Mm-hmm. Despite the initial fear of death, right, that would keep us from jumping in a raging river. We wouldn't do that because we have a natural fear that it's going to kill us. But if my child falls into that river, I'm going to jump in right after. Why? Because my fear fear for that child is going to overtake that natural fear. Right. So it's an emotional response mm-hmm. it's a, that brings about a reaction. The problem is it can be a response and a reaction for either good or evil, mm-hmm. depending on what we do with it. We are commanded to, 
to live life under self-control according to uh, the Word of God, submission to the Word of God. Therefore, if we don't control our emotional fear, it will control us in sinful fear. And that's the dilemma that we have to deal with. And so those are the three essential fears generally in Mm -hmm. the Bible. Sinful fear, godly fear, natural fear. And one thing that you just mentioned just now that I never thought of is that the godly fear is a combination of both when it comes to God. Yes. You know, the, the, the godly, like the, the sinful fear is like the bad fear or like the fear of like punishment and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But mm-hmm. that's really a, a way that we need to look at it, you know, with God. It's like that's the yeah, whole so point of it. Exactly. So it, it, there's a many ways to describe this, but a simple, clear way is godly fear, or you could say good fear, which is godly is that which drives you to God. Right. Whether it's in faithful submission or faithful obedience or faithful worship, it's always faithfulness and the fear of the Lord always go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. That's the purpose of the fear of the Lord is to is to bring about the fruit of faithfulness and you can't have one without the other. So true godly fear always results in pushing you or driving you or motivating you or provoking you to follow God, obey God. Mm-hmm. Ungodly fear, sinful fear always pushes you away from God. And so that's just a that's just a really helpful way to look at it. Is what I'm doing in this emotion is it actually driving me to God? So if I have like right now coronavirus, I mean everybody's losing their job. I mean let's just be really frank, mm-hmm. right? Everybody's losing their job, gonna lose their job, or gonna deal with you know a pay cut or whatever. Everybody's gonna deal with hurt. Right. There's just no way to get around. This is gonna be a this is global. This is national. Everybody. So so that's it. There's a natural fear that comes from that, which is okay, which is good, right? I'm, I got to pr- provide for my family. How am I going to do that if I don't have a job? So that's a natural fear. However, that natural fear easily turns into sinful fear when instead of trusting God, who has promised to provide for my every need and somehow work that out by trusting him and being faithful to look for a job and do whatever I can do, but then doing that under the faith of the Lord and not worrying and fretting over it. But when I stop doing that and just focus on fixing this problem by worrying about it and doing whatever, I have slid from natural fear, which is good, which should motivate me to look for a job and and to beat down every bush and try mm-hmm. to do it well, yeah. but trust the Lord in it mm-hmm. versus now I don't even do that. I just stay at home paranoid because I can't leave the house or I can't do this and I'm biting my nails and I'm scared to death because now I can't provide for my family. I'm I'm enslaved to sinful fear. Gotcha. Okay. Does yeah. that make sense? Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and uh, I appreciate that. And with that, I'm going to ask this question uh, from Linda who uh, sent this question in last week. But like I said, this is take two. Yeah, we <laughs> so, answered it. Yeah, we did answer it. We answered but, it. It just didn't. It just didn't take. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, take one did not take. Yeah, it's the technology yeah. is, is a wonderful thing. We lose. We lose a few. Yeah. Can you talk about the difference between one those who appear to be calm and yet may not be taking on their God given responsibilities, something that may not be faith in the face of reality, but an unstressed life based on irresponsibility, and two. Those who need to be reminded of true trust in God's promises and providence in the face of all the responsibility they realize is their God-given duty. Yeah, so, so uh, first, the first part of that question, anybody who is, um, uh, let's just deal with the first part, which says 
anybody who's not doing their God-given responsibilities is in sin, right? Mm-hmm. So God commands us to share the gospel. God commands us to disciple one another. God commands us to provide for our families, right? And Jesus said, he that does not provide for his family is worse than an infidel, right? Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's physical commands by way of caring for each other physically, but then there's spiritual commands in our ministry to the gospel. There's spiritual commands by way of, or, or, or uh, I'll say ministry commands by way of worshiping the Lord and mm-hmm. how we do that, you know, the first four commandments. So we have all of those, but anybody, no matter which category you're in there, whether it's t- caring for their family, whether it's dealing with their, their own sin, or whether it's serving the Lord in their local community church and whatnot, any neglect in any of those is sin. Mm-hmm. So whether they're stressed or not stressed, if they're not doing what God commands, that's sin. Sin is more than that, right? Sin is not only uh, not doing what God commands, sin is also doing what God does not command, right? Mm-hmm. In the sense of what he forbids. Right. So if he forbids it and you do it, you're sin. If he commands it and you don't do it, you're sin, mm-hmm. right? And so the question deals with the person who is not really, doesn't have a fear because they're not living up to their uh, responsibilities or they're not even taking on their responsibilities. Whether or not they have fear isn't the issue. What's the issue is they're not obeying God, so they're in sin, period. Whether they feel scared or whether they feel fearful or not doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So that's the first issue. They're living in sin, period. And then um, they could, one of the benefits of that by way of emotions and personality is, yeah, well, I don't have to, you know, worry about providing for my family. So now I get to stay home and watch TV all day and I'm good, right? Mm-hmm. And they may, they may, they may, uh, so to speak, crush their fears because they don't want to go look for a job because they're afraid of being turned down. They're afraid of being rejected. Mm-hmm. They're afraid of being belittled because they don't have, you know, the skills that they think they have. So instead, I'm just going to stay home and eat potato chips and watch the coronavirus news nonstop. Mm-hmm. And I'm good, right? Well, that person is still in fear because I just said they're afraid to go out and look for a job, yeah. even though it's not coming out, mm-hmm. right? And so fear is often there. It's just masks. It's just hidden yeah. under all kinds of other emotions, mm-hmm. right? But again, the, it's a smokescreen because whether they're fearful or not doesn't matter. Whether they're stressed out or not doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. They're in sin. Whether they feel it or not, it doesn't make any difference. What God says, not about how you feel. Right. So they can be saying, I'm living life. I'm good. I don't know why you're so scared. It's like, well, you're not following the Lord, so you may think you're good, mm-hmm. but you're in direct disobedience to the Lord. And so the first part of that question, really, that's the key, is dealing with that person, not necessarily at their emotional level, but at their spiritual level, that they're disobeying God and not fulfilling their responsibilities. That's good. All right. Now mm-hmm. go to the next part. The next part is those who need to be reminded of true trust in God's promises and providences in the fear of all the responsibility they realize is is their God-given duty. Yeah, so in this pairs, I think, if I'm understanding the question correctly, I think it goes back to the first one in in that, in that, um, in that um, it, it deals with uh, the reality of, of, of that person's neglect and their lack of fear. And now, now the, the writer or the questioner is bringing up this reality of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, so oftentimes we have a, have a, uh, uh, a a true sense of natural fear when we fulfill our responsibilities because I am in, inadequate, I am insufficient, mm-hmm. right? And so we face that. But the question isn't that fear. The question is, what do we do when that fear comes? The the 
I said it even today in the sermon, that courage is never the absence of fear. It is the absence of the wrong kind of fear. It is the absence of sinful fear. Courage is the, is, is the reality of godly fear in the face of natural fear, and you move forward. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, so the faithful father who struggles to know what it means to be a godly man, he still is called to be a godly man, and he must do the due diligence and figure that out, but he then moves forward as best he can yeah. in leading his family, right? Mm-hmm. In the face of that fear, I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway, and I'm going to trust the Lord, and I'm going to get help, And but I don't just like sit around until I figure it out. No, I'm called to do this daily, and so I move forward in that. And uh, so, yeah, and so the reality of of our responsibilities as Husbands, as wives, as parents, as fathers, as mothers, as servants of the Lord, as co-workers, whatever all these categories of responsibilities that we all have, we are commanded by God to fulfill them, and yet we don't do it in fear. We do it, we do it in trusting the Lord that that which he commands us to, he will faithfully provide all that we need, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> and that's, that's essentially what we see in Second uh, Corinthians twelve with Paul's thorn in the flesh, right? His God's grace is sufficient. Paul's like, I can't get through this. This is too hard. This hurts too much. And God says, Yeah, it does. But my grace will be sufficient. I'll get you through. Mm-hmm. And so all that God has commanded us, He has already equipped us for in Christ, not in ourselves, but in Christ through the gospel. We have all that we need to live a life of godliness. Yeah, Second yeah, Peter 1, 3 and 4. So, mm-hmm. so it's just learning how to embrace our responsibilities. This is key. In godly fear, which is what? Nothing more than utter, complete dependence upon Christ, mm-hmm. right? When I am utterly eviscerated of self-sufficiency and I am utterly dependent on Christ's sufficiency, now I'm beginning to fulfill my responsibilities in godly fear and i can do that by facing natural fear and not being uh not being held back but actually being encouraged mm-hmm. and i i want to also not that <laughs> i want to add to what you just said and not not in a way that i know and i'm you know yeah. is, is knowledgeable but i would say that the way that they would know what that looks like is by studying the word totally and being immersed in the word of god because if you have that fear a lot of times it comes from you not being immersed in the word of god and understanding yeah. what god says those great totally. impression great and precious promises that uh second peter 1 4 says that's the only place we can know it's it's without that it's it's at best human reasoning, which is always uh, uh, deceptive, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So I don't know. That was a long. There was a long series of questions. So I don't know if I answered it all completely. But did I? I honestly think that you answered it better this time than you did last time. Oh, see, it was there you almost, go. It was almost as if you had like a week or something to kind yeah. of think through the, take the, two, the answer. Man. Yeah, take, take two. Take two is all. Imagine best. if we did take three. Oh man. It, <laughs> It, it'd be a sermon in itself because yeah. you did say that uh, the, that uh, that sinful fear, uh, yeah. that last one of the last points that you made about yeah. it, uh, directed by idolatry. Yes. And, you know, that I was like, yeah, that, that would be a great sermon. Just, oh, yeah. just that that would be good. So uh, one of the other questions that I had was about, um, uh, well, I'll ask uh, Greg's question 
by the way, let me let me make sure I understand. Get give everybody an understanding. Linda uh, Tolls is the person that the, the the previous question was. She's actually the uh, uh, the uh, piano player, pianist for our. Uh, and we did answer her song. question the first time. We did answer the question on video. On video, but, but we, the whole file was corrupted. But we lost it. Yeah, so yeah. Was, wasn't wasn't meant to be. Yeah, it wasn't our fault. I mean, we did everything that we were supposed to we do. Recorded an hour. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, about that, about, about an, an hour. hour of our life that that got corrupted. Yeah, that's Man. that. Wow, I'm glad it was only an hour. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> yeah, the life is life is precious at that's this right. point. Yeah, you know. So, um, and yeah, so she she asked that question. Thank you for asking that question, Linda. Uh, Greg is one of the other members of our church, and he has a, he sent me a question as well. So here's Greg's question. I was thinking last night about the times that we are in and how the world around us are getting desperate for what they see as necessities, such as toilet paper, sanitizer, etc. Trying to think ahead and hopefully not sinful fear, but as a way for me to protect my family from sinful outbreak in the world. When does it become sinful when it comes to thinking about buying a firearm or some tool to help you protect your family if the world were to go into mass chaos. I want to protect my family physically, but to do it in a biblical way. I am not paranoid about if it happened or anything. I would just like to be prepared in some way in case something of the nature we we come to and would put, uh, potentially come as Revelation talks about. That actually is a... Uh, another way of asking the question that I had last last week on take one. Yeah. Um, is it unnatural to have a fear of dying, which will cause you to have a gun to protect yourself or your family? Yeah, no, not at all. Because, uh, again, I don't see having a gun as one wrong at all. Um, I mean, throughout the Bible, Peter's walking around with a sword. The whole time. You know, yeah, yeah, so... so um, you know, we see that throughout Scripture, and again, they're not using it in in a as a zealot would, but in self defense, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a biblical reality. Um, goes all the way back to Genesis uh, chapter eight and the um, the establishment of the uh, capital punishment and the protection, really, which is a form of that, right? It's it's done by the government, so to speak, or by the authorities, by where. Um, man is killed for killing man, mm-hmm. right? But then, even in the law, it was it was not wrong for man to protect his life, and he was not condemned as a murderer or as a um, evildoer if he killed somebody who was attempting to kill him, mm-hmm. right? And so we see that reality, and I mean that's a no brainer, really, logically, because it's you're again go back to natural fear. What did I say <clears throat> earlier? Natural fear is never sinful when it drives you to protect and be concerned about Mm -hmm. that which is true, right, and good from God's perspective. So it's not wrong to desire to protect your family because that is good, true, and right from God's perspective. It's It's not wrong to protect any life, right, whether it's your family or not. With a, with a gun or with a knife or anything, right? If somebody's seeking to harm somebody else, whether they're my family or not, I pray I would run after and help them mm-hmm. because all life is precious to God, right. whether they're believer or non-believer, whether they're family or not family, right? And again, so a, a, a natural fear that says, hey, I'd wanna, I want to be able to do that, 
is good, right? Again, that's part of that protective alarm, internal alarm that fear is given by God. And so, um, so no, it's not wrong to have that desire even to build that kind of uh, protocol in your life. Um, but where it becomes really, and this is, this is, this is a, such a common thing in our day, and especially where I'm from in West Virginia, where, I mean, we're pretty much born with guns, and so so it's a, di- a different world. But, however, guns I, pickup trucks. I trust me, and I understand that culture well, and, and I can tell you that natural fear, which, again, it's not wrong to have a baseball bat or whatever it is that you just, you recognize, hey, there's a potential for danger to enter this home, and I, I want to defend myself, right? right? Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that and at all. But if you're up all night long, right, where you can't sleep because every creek in your house now has you grabbing your gun, your bat, or your sword, or whatever it is you got, mm-hmm. now you're, you're in sinful fear because you're not trusting the Lord. See, natural fear says, I'm going to prepare myself, and then I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm not yeah. going to worry about it. I'm not yeah. going to think about it because I'm trusting the Lord. It's not my gun, <clears throat> right? As as uh, Prover- Proverbs says, as well as uh, Psalms, right? The horse is made ready for battle, but the, the, the victory comes from the Lord, right? And so we see that reality in a, in a horse or a, a battle. Speaking of the horse in that context is speaking of a battle implement or a gun or a tank or whatever it is. Because the horse in that day was the most scary uh, bit of battle weaponry was the horse. The horse changed everything. Mm-hmm. Those who had horses were unstoppable, right? Especially in that culture. And 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 yet Scripture says the victory does not come from horses, but the ungodly trust in horses. But we what? We trust in the name of the Lord our mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. And so, so again, uh, David... A prime example of this, when David goes down to fight for Goliath, right? Saul wants to give him all the implements, and David's like, I can't I can't use this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go down to the brook. So he doesn't go in empty-handed. He goes down to the brook, and he right. gets some stones, because that's what he knew, mm-hmm. right? But he said, I'm coming to you with what? In the name, name of, the of the Lord. It's mm-hmm. the Lord who's going to fight for me. So he fought, and he had, a, he had an implement that he used that he knew, that he practiced with and used many times as a shepherd, but again, his his hope wasn't in an M sixteen, right? Mm-hmm. His hope was in the Lord. So he just used what he had to defend himself and to fight for the Lord. And so there's so many analogies and illustrations of that. So again, I think I think I built already a, a just a, in a cursory way a pretty good case showing it's not wrong to protect yourself. It's wrong to not protect yourself because you're not protecting the image of God, right? Mm-hmm. Now. That doesn't mean that there are times in which we see this in Scripture, like, you know, Paul protected himself uh, many times, but then he reached a point where he's like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm arrested. Um, Second Timothy 4, it's like, I'm done. I'm in jail. It's like, I, I, can't, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. But before that, right, you see him being lowered down by a basket outside the city wall mm-hmm. to get away from danger. Mm-hmm. So, again, that's not wrong. Didn't it's Jesus called, at one point yeah. even remove himself from of course. the crowd? Of course, yeah, because yeah. he knew his time wasn't yet. Mm-hmm. He he moves his, by his deity, he just slips through the crowd or hides, right? And be, mm-hmm. Again, it's just prudent and, and, and wise. But where it becomes, and this is where you have to be really careful, especially in today's culture, where it becomes sinful fear when you start neglecting your God-given responsibilities to, quote, have a gun 
or to build some sort of arsenal in your home and you're going into debt to buy 8,000 rounds of bullets. And I know people that do this, right? Mm-hmm. And they're going to they're gonna uh, skimp on, on, <clears throat> on eating and drinking uh, or bringing food into the family so that I can have my eight cases of bullets for whatever because the world's coming to an end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's totally, that's totally uh, sinful on like 12 levels, right? right? Because mm-hmm. you're neglecting your responsibilities. You're totally not trusting in the Lord. And I don't know what you think you're going to do with that many rounds, but you're, you're surely not trusting in the Lord. You've gone from being a prudent, protective father to now you're on your, your borderline starting a militia. There's right. a big difference there, right? It's mm-hmm. one thing to, to, to be wise and be ready to protect your, your family as well as anybody around you. I think that's every godly man should have that mindset. But it's another thing when it's like, all right, now let's start a militia. Mm-hmm. You know, let's, no, no, now you're, now you're becoming the protector mm-hmm. rather than trusting the Lord. Right. And when it comes to even uh, purchasing a weapon or something like that, I mean, I think, I think everybody should should uh, have that in our country because we have that right, right? Mm-hmm. Not all, not every country has that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and if you live in one of those countries, you forfeit that, and that's okay, right? And uh, I've wrestled with that in my own heart at times. And uh, I remember when I went to California, and I didn't bring any of my guns with me because I knew California was so strict. And, um, and I just said, I don't want to deal with all the headaches. And I just said, all right, I'm just going to trust the Lord, uh, I'll use whatever else I've got, you know, mm-hmm. and I've got other things that I brought that I could use if I needed to protect my family or whatever. But, you know, you just, but again, it's the, it wasn't that I didn't have my guns. I didn't feel protected and I was worried. Wasn't worried at all. Why? Because I trusted the Lord, mm-hmm. right? And so the key is, is not the desire. It's what you do with the desire. If I can purchase something or do something that protects my family, then that's good. But if I have to neglect a God-given responsibility or not not only neglect but go against a god-given responsibility to do that now now I'm showing uh, I'm in sin because I'm neglecting this to accomplish this mm-hmm. right I just so the key is to trust the lord do what you can do while you trust the lord and that's that's the key in that and so I would encourage Greg if if that's something that um is doable while not uh putting you into further debt or or uh, neglecting responsibilities you have. You know, those are the things. I've watched guys, right? Mm -hmm. I need to protect my family. I need to buy a gun. Well, you already got 12 guns. You don't need another gun. Like, like that's the point. I've heard this argument so many times. Why the Southern accent, though, man? Because that's where I'm from. (laughs) But I've watched these guys, man. It's like, like, wait a minute. You got, man, Pastor, I bought another gun. I'm like, all right, so what are you going to do with the 12 guns you got? You can only shoot one at a time. Yeah, but man, you the world's coming to an end. And I'm like, well, first of all, how do you know that? Right. Yep. First of all, how do you know that? And if it does, you think your gun is really going to help? It's like, what? it's lunacy. But again, sinful fear does that. Yeah. Sinful fear, I'm telling you, and I brought this out today. And I didn't bring it out as far as I wanted to just because of time. But That's sin- what the podcast is for. Exactly. Sinful fear feeds on exaggeration. Mm-hmm. Sinful. So like now, everybody's thinking the world's going to come to an end. Well, who, who's saying that? Mm-hmm. Who says we're going into uh, uh, you know revelation times? We're surely closer today than we were yesterday, but I'm not 100% sure that that's... I'm not saying that. Yeah. It's like, listen, the Spanish flu in, uh, the Spanish flu in 1918... <sighs> killed about uh, close to 1 million people globally, mm. okay? We're not even close to that, mm-hmm. right? Killed over 3,000 people in Washington, D.C. alone. We're not even close to that. Mm-hmm. And yet, we're looking at this going, the world's coming to an end. It's like, 
Uh, no, no, relax. Yeah. Don't get exaggerated. That's what sinful fear does. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's really what's driving so much of our problem right now is sinful fear. People are overreacting in light of all of this rather than being wise and prudent and and doing what uh, wisdom calls for. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, uh, listen, I don't buy the case that God has called us to stand up against the government. I don't, I'm not a big proponent of that. I'd love to have a discussion down the road on whether or not the Revolutionary War was even biblical. That's an interesting topic, hmm. right? And taking Re- Revelation, or taking First Peter 2 and Romans 13, it's, it is, is not, so the question was dealing with, can I protect my family from evildoers? Yes, right? But how how do I protect my family from an evil government? You don't. See, that's different, mm. right? So now we're, now we're dealing in a whole different category because I think even the question talked about a little bit or alluded to some of that. Mm-hmm. If an evildoer is coming after my family, we, we're, we're on level playing field here, all right? But if the evil government is, now, we're, now, now there's a lot of scripture that uh, you've got to wrestle with if you're going to start standing up against and going against a government, even an evil government, because we don't see that ever in Scripture. Mm-hmm. We don't ever see that. Matter of fact, you see the direct opposite. They yeah. submit to them. Mm-hmm. They do not go against them unless that government asks them to go against God. And then they don't go against the government, meaning they don't attack the government. They just deny what they tell them to do, mm-hmm. like when the government... Uh, commanded for Peter and the apostles to not preach Christ. They didn't try to overthrow the government. They just said, no, nah, we're going to preach Christ, mm-hmm. right? And so so you never see this uprising like is the American spirit. Whenever we go in times like this, it's like, ah, oh, the government's out to get us. They're taking all our jobs. And that very well could be true, mm-hmm. right, in the sense, but that doesn't change what we do, right? you know? And so that's, again, that's that that deception in our hearts that we are constantly kind of, uh, being pulled into, where mm-hmm. it's like, no, I'm going to protect my family by rising up against the government. And it's like, okay, so now you're going against most of Scripture. Yeah. Where uh, the Scripture is clear, honor the government and in and honor the emperor, which in First Peter 2 was Nero, right, who was an evildoer. Christian killer. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that would have been prime time for Peter to say, you know what, it's time to start a new government. Mm-hmm. Let's get the believers in there, the religious right, like we've seen so many times in our country. And it's like, yeah, no, no. Uh, that's why Paul said, what? A godly man does not get it enslaved to civilian affairs. Mm-hmm. He does not get distracted by that. Let that stuff do what it's going to do. You just stay quiet and live a quiet life, faithfully serving the Lord, and do your best to love your neighbor and and even serve your government, even as evil as it may be. And uh, like Jesus said, pay unto Caesar what what Caesar is due, right? And so, yeah, that's a that's that's where the uh, it goes from natural fear protecting my fa- family to sinful fear rising up against the government. Yeah. Now we're in a whole nother category, which mm-hmm. is again the scripture is so clear against that. We are submit to the we are to, we are to submit to the government. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah, there is, there is time for just war and that's another dilemma, but not, not by individual, that's governments that do that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we're, I definitely want to have that conversation with you being right. a, uh, I, I like history and you know, the, the histories of countries and all those mm-hmm. types of things. So that is a, that's a teaser for, uh, another, another podcast. There's a lot to get into there, but yeah. I mean, that's, that shows you the, the, again, 
fear is diverse. That shows yeah. you the diversity there of, yeah, you are called to protect your family. You don't need a gun to do that. But if that's what you feel like you need, then go get a gun, mm-hmm. right? Be careful, right, that you don't hurt yourself or anybody else. Right. But, uh, but at the same time, it's not wrong to have that fear and to protect yourself. But there's a fine line there between fear and futility, mm-hmm. meaning natural fear, which is good, and futility, which is foolishness. Right. Where it's like, you know, I'm going to buy an M16 to protect my family. It's like, all right, I, I enjoy shooting M16s. But, it, I mean, how, how is that going to help you protect your You're better off with a sawed-off shotgun. So, <laughs> so, But, I mean, that's right. the mindset that people have. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, no, just go down and buy $150 Mossbergs off the barrel and stick you know, put it, lock it up, and then you're 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 you have the best protection for your family. Well, the other M sixteen is, is not going to yeah. Now, would, if you want to rise up against the government, now you buy an M sixteen. Right. Well, the other thing is that if somebody's trying to break in your house, they hear that exactly, and they're like, oh, you know what? You no, know we call that in West Virginia. What's that? It's the sound of death. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Now, I'm, now I'm digressing. That's yeah. the, we tend to do that. Sorry. And, and anyway, speaking, did, did speaking that of which, your question? Uh, well, that's a question for for Greg. Oh, if that sorry. answered his hopefully question, Greg. but hopefully it did. I do. I, I one thing you said last week where uh, I definitely want to get to this because this is going to be a great conversation, and I think we get into it uh, coming into uh, Mark as we study the Book of Mark. Um, you said eschatology is the purpose is to point us to holiness. Yeah. And I heard that, and I circled it in my, yeah. in so, my notes. And- so that's the other issue with, with eschatology, and I, I can't wait to get to Mark 13, and I pray the Lord tarries till we get there. Can you give us like a sentence yeah. of a term, what, what define that term of eschatology? eschatology? Yeah. yeah, eschatology literally, it literally means last things. Okay. So, uh, you know, any anytime you hear that 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 final phrase on, an, on a word, ology, it just speaks of words or things or mm-hmm. or. or excuse me, or truths, you know, propositions. And so uh, the eschaton means last. Okay. That's in the Greek. So eschatology speaks of last things or last words or last events. Mm-hmm. And so eschatology is the study of the last events of the world given to us through the prophets and and the book of Revelation in many ways. And so, um, but yeah, eschatology for many people is like this uh, puzzle that they try to put together to try to figure out when the Lord is coming back and all these weird uh, things. And people read their newspaper and say, see, here it is. Oh, it's coming. There's what we see. And mm-hmm. clearly there are things we see in our world that say, yeah, we're a whole lot closer than we were. I mean, yeah. that's undeniable. And no one would deny that. That's that's of a... Of a uh, of a biblical understanding, and I think that's good. However, what happens is, and again, this is, I think, even in sinful fear in some ways, when you're trying to read the tea leaves, right, through the news reports or mm-hmm. through the viruses and trying to say, see, here we are again. And I've had I've had a number of people tell me this already in the last few weeks. It's like, yep, we're in the last days. And I'm like, but, but wait a minute. Again, 1918, Spanish flu, a million people died. How was that not the last days? But this is, and so far we've we've lost three hundred thousand, which is a which is a, a a a terrible, sad reality. I don't want anybody to die. But when is you, it three hundred thousand? Yeah, world globally. Wow. Yeah. So so I mean that's what it was last night when I looked, and so mm-hmm. it just keeps climbing. So this is no joke. It's mm-hmm. bad. Yet yeah, we're a far cry from a million, mm-hmm. right? And so so my point is, if that wasn't the last days, meaning you know, I mean that was over a hundred years ago, and mm-hmm. here we are. 
why are we so quick to jump and say, here we go? You know, and it's just like, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not that type of person because the Bible doesn't lend itself to that. It doesn't tell us that. This is what it tells us. At the end of the day, and multiple passages speak to this, Second Peter 3 for sure, eschatology is given to encourage us, not to drive us to uh, be antsy and fearful because mm-hmm. that's what that does, right? You're yeah. looking, you're looking for the Lord's return around in every rock, mm-hmm. right? And rather than anticipating the Lord's return with joy, right? Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come today, praise God, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But uh, but the reality is, He could come, He could come tomorrow, He could come next year, He could come a thousand years from now. I yeah. don't know what His plan is, mm-hmm. but this I do know. As I see the times progressing, and I do, and I see man getting eat more evil and the times getting worse and worse, which the Bible said would happen, <clears throat> I say, what is the purpose of this? What is this supposed to do to me? It's supposed to drive me to purity. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to drive me to see my time is getting short. I need to get my life right before the Lord. I need to walk in holiness and godliness, and I need to be encouraged that all these things that God said would happen are happening, and they are going to happen, even the things I don't understand, but I know that Christ is going to be victorious because he already is, as the Bible says. That gives me hope and comfort. So the key with eschatology is it's supposed to drive personal purity, personal faithfulness, and personal perseverance. So all of these eschatological passages that we see in the scriptures, like 2 Thessalonians, 2 Peter, Revelation, these were all given to churches and people who were under severe persecution. Mm-hmm. Never once are they told to get their, their swords and rise up against the government. Mm-hmm. Never once are they ever called to form a Christian militia. Never once are they ever called to to stand against the enemy. Always, you know what they're called to do? Pray for those who persecute them. Live quiet, holy lives and see that the Lord's return is coming soon. Be encouraged. Persevere faithfully faithfully to the end. That's the point of eschatology, ultimately, is to show us Christ wins. Mm -hmm. God is sovereign. We don't have to fear the temporal suffering and even death that's coming, because we know that in the end, God will be honored, and Christ's church will be spread and strengthened, and God's people will be ultimately preserved eternally. And so that's, yeah, that's the point. That's good. That's good. Um, Okay. You uh, mentioned a few books on fear. Yeah. So I want you to go. You just said the authors. I want you to now, if you can, give yeah. like the the specific books and yeah. the authors of the books. And all right, um, uh, Lou uh, Prelo, I think is how you say his name. He's a biblical counselor. I think he might be at. Uh, I forget what seminary he's at, but anyway, um, he's written a ton of books. He's all over the um, uh, Amazon and website. I got a number of his books over here somewhere, but. Anyway, he's written a number of books that are helpful that have good chapters on fear, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and he on oh no, anxiety and worry. He wrote one about uh, anxiety as it as it depicts uh, or as it comes out of broken relationships. I forget the title of it. Putting the pieces back together, I think, or something. That that's a that's a helpful one. And then he wrote a little pamphlet, a really helpful pamphlet on fear. He's got a number, and I've got a bunch of these he's got a number of these little counseling pamphlets on specific topics and he wrote one on fear that's really just really helpful really Mm -hmm. really terse and i think it's called fear it's called fear and then there's a subtitle to it i can't recall if you look it up you'll you'll be able to see it but he's got some good resources and then wayne mack who's a really good biblical counselors in counselor in his 90s from south africa he's a great guy he's a master's 
seminary, master's college professor for years, and just a good guy, he and his son. And uh, he's written a number of books. You'll see him up here, but um, there's... Oh, people pleasing yeah, people. That's Prelo. That's just another one of his right there. So I mean, if you look, you'll see him. But was well, I think the way to spell it is uh, say it is Priolo. Oh, Priolo. P P R I O L O. Yeah, because I, I found it. I'm I'm on Amazon and just kind of yeah. going through. And one of them is the uh, pleasing people is one of the books. So yeah. if you kind of go from there, and uh, one of the good ways that I've learned how to see if a, a author is good or not is who does the forward and go. who gives some type of endorsement. You've learned that. And one of his uh, one of his endorsements is by John MacArthur. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah, Priolo. That's it. That's it. I see it there. P R I O L O. Yeah, I couldn't remember. Priolo. Yeah. Yep. So Lou Priolo. That's that's he's 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 helpful in that. Um, who was the other guy you mentioned? Wayne Mack. Wayne Mack. He okay. has a. He has a number of, again, books, and most of the time it's hard to find a book just on fear because there's just not that many out there, but most of the time you find a chapter in a book. Mm-hmm. But that little pamphlet that that Priolo wrote is, is helpful. But Wayne Mack has a book on fear that is a whole book on it, and I'm trying to remember the title of it. Um, I want I think the title of the book is called Courage, and I think it's called Courage, Facing, Facing Fighting Fear, fear with, with Fear. fear. Yes. Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent yep. book. I've used it in different ways. The one thing I like, really like about Wayne Mack is that he has study guide questions at the end of each chapter that are really good. Mm-hmm. And if you look, I got I got a number of his books just because they're really good counseling material. And then another another one is Stuart Scott. He's another big biblical counselor, and in his book, uh, he has a he has a pamphlet on anger, anxiety, and fear. Um, it's a little pamphlet that's helpful and then that material comes out of his larger book on um oh man what's the title of it it's on humility and the godly man i think or um well is it dr stewart 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 scott Scott, uh from pride and humility a biblical perspective is one yeah well that's a pamphlet but there should be a greater book a large book i don't so just know that if you go to look for these books the stewart scott you're looking for is dr stewart scott and uh, it's spelt the same way as the guy that used to be the ESPN commentator. So That's what just keep that in mind. All of these are these little pamphlets. I, yeah. I'm holding them right, but they can't. They come out of his his other book about being the, about the godly man. I can't think of the title of it. Yeah, it'll it'll come up there. Yeah, Doctor Doctor Stewart Scott. Just make yeah. sure you're looking for that, and not the other guy that wrote that was the uh, ESPN commentator. Yeah. So those are general books about fear, mm-hmm. and then you get into specific on the fear of the Lord, mm-hmm. and then you you look at a, there's a number of other books, but those are three that that are helpful when it, you're dealing with just the reality of sinful fear and godly. They all deal with it in in different ways from a biblical perspective, which is helpful. Good. Good. So uh, the last question in this subject, um, <laughs> you mentioned uh, that you were praying for revival in the pulpits. Yeah. And one one of the things that you did mention in the sermon was that you uh, this could very well be, you know, God reviving the pulpits. Can you can you, you kind of go and explain, you know, what you meant by that? Yeah. So. So uh, revival is an interesting term. Um, so there's a, and I, and I need to preface this just for whoever's listening and know we have a, a wide audience. So I never, you never know who's listening. Mm-hmm. So um, 
there's a massive difference between revival and revivalism. Hmm. Revivalism is bad. Revivalism is man-centered, deceptive, and just, just wrong. Revivalism says we can start a revival. We can generate a revival. We can instigate a revival. Notice I said I'm praying for a revival, mm-hmm. which means I understand that any true revival, and revival, that term just literally literally just means taking that which is dead or or sick and reviving it, bringing mm-hmm. life back to it. Mm-hmm. So I'm praying that because there's so many dead and sick churches across our land, across our world. And I'm praying that there would be revitalization, as we are doing even in our own church over the last five years, but across many churches where they would come back to life. And the reason they're not, they don't have life anymore is because they've gotten rid of the source of life, which is the word of truth, right? And so, but that really ultimately only happens as God does a work in that pastor, in that church, through the preaching of the word. And so it's something that we pray for, but we can't generate. We pray that the Lord would do that work. And um, so revivalism is what I'm used to in my culture in West Virginia and throughout the Bible Belt where you have revivals, right? Mm-hmm. Where you, every year you have a revival. It's, it's ludicrous when you think about it, right? We're going to have a revival. Well, how are you going to have a revival? We're gonna, and, and then the idea was we go outside and build a tent and we go out in front of the church. Well, what happens every other week? Why can't you have a revival every week? Wouldn't you want a revival every week in your church? Why do we only do this once a year? Right? Man, oh man. So, so here we go, right? It's that ma- that I can call down revival. I can generate revival. Well, then, of course, the whole charismatic uh, movement in America was built upon that whole idea. And that's, that's, that's in large part why we have ended up where we are in the, in the seeker-sensitive, disappointing church uh, culture that we find ourselves because revivalism has disappointed, right? It doesn't provide what it promises it will because it can't. It's just man-centered emotionalism. So I'm not talking about that. That's sinful. That's false teaching. That's satanic in many ways, and and at best it's Mm man-centered. What I'm talking about is God doing his work, and God has promised that his word would not return void. He has promised that his word always works. He has promised that his word is all-powerful and changes lives. We just have to get it out. Mm -hmm. We just have to preach it. We just have to unleash it. And for so long, churches have been enslaved to man-centered theology driven by man-centered pragmatics in the pulpits. Well, one thing I pray is that man, one, the pew would get sick of it, and, and, and start crying, screaming for the word mm-hmm. and driving these churches and these pastors to just preach the word, just teach the word, just point to the Lord, get rid of all this nonsense music, get rid of all Hillsong and all this garbage that we're filling our people's minds with, this trash. Get rid of it and fill our people with truth, whether it's through the preaching of the word, whether it's through Sunday school teaching, whether it's through children's ministry. Bring truth and truth-laden discipleship and preaching, because that's how revival happens. When you pray like there's no tomorrow and you preach like there's no tomorrow, God brings a, a, a refreshing tomorrow and brings change across communities and churches and people's lives. And uh, this very well could be. I don't know. I've been praying for a while, and I've been hearing rumblings you know, across friends of mine and others where people are preaching the Word like never before in, in, in connections that I'm with, 
and lives are being changed. Churches are coming back to life. Churches are done with the Hillsong, seeker-sensitive nonsense, which has utterly failed, which is fruitless, which is futile. And uh, the churches that are that are turning away from that and turning back to the Lord, they're growing. They're growing like never before yeah. in the sense of healthy growth. Not not I'm not talking about massive numerical growth because that's never healthy. Um, but spiritual growth, where people are repenting and turning away from sin and and making uh, things wrong that making things right that were once wrong and, mm-hmm. and reconciling and all these things, which are signs of of true spiritual growth, that's happening. I'm hearing it happening across multiple states and multiple places as guys are paring down their church and doing less, but what they're doing is doing more biblically saturated ministry, and that's a good thing. That's a healthy thing. Well, um, I don't know what the fallout of all this corona stuff will be. Only the Lord does. I don't know what he's doing. I don't claim to know. He, but he knows, and I trust him. But I, 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 am, I, am, uh, uh, I am thoughtful that the end of, of this will be multifaceted. It will be extremely detrimental on many levels economically. Mm-hmm. But it could be extremely beneficial spiritually. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to have a culling effect on a lot of churches where the churches that are event-driven, the churches that are social, socially foundational, meaning it's nothing but a social hub. Mm-hmm. It's just for you to have your social gathering with your friends and almost like a glorified um, um, chat room, so to speak, yeah. or where you do your, um, this is very common in even in our area, where it's basically where you, um, what do they call that when you're, network where it's just like a, you're mm-hmm. networking for jobs, for right. social gatherings. Mm-hmm. You're that I mean, so many churches, that's all it is. It's no different than going to the bar. It's just less the alcohol. Yeah. You just hang out in church. It's just mm-hmm. a hangout, right? Well, all of that's going to go away. It's just going to go away because uh, based upon all of this, that's been taken away. Mm-hmm. So, so all of that desire will start to dissipate in the superficial Christianity. But the the ones who are truly desiring to gather together around the Word and around ministry and around selfless service to others, that never goes away because that's of Christ. There's only a deeper hunger for that for us now, and so that's going to continue to uh, drive those churches stronger together, mm-hmm. and they're going to grow deeper. And the impact of those churches, I believe, will get greater. So um, I think it's going to have a culling effect on on a number of places, and I think that's a good thing. We need that. We need the church to be purified, and and I pray that that would be a benefit of all of this, what is terrible, right? And all the death and all the sickness, nobody likes that, nobody wants that. It's sad, but yet God can bring goodness out of all of this, and I know he will, mm-hmm. and I pray that will happen, and that's the revival that I'm praying for, and that's the revi- that's the revival we need. Mm-hmm. Our world needs that. Yeah, our world is, and you see it so clearly. We are our world, but especially our nation in particular, is so fearful right now in sinful fear. It is overwhelmed. It is it is enslaved, captured by sinful fear. And let me tell you why: because we have labored for decades under shallow preaching at best. People don't know how to respond to this. Mm-hmm. They have no strength. They have no foundation. They have no uh, ability, it, meaning intellect, theological, doctrinal understanding, to know how to respond when when this kind of cataclysmic chaos is happening. People don't know what to do. Yeah. And yet God's word is clear. 
Mm-hmm. It tells us exactly how to respond, and our response is not is not that different than what we normally do. Mm-hmm. But because the preaching and the shepherding has been so man centered, so psychological, so shallow, our world doesn't know how to respond, and that's why we we desperately need a revival. This has just shown it mm-hmm. uh, even more. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm seeing that a lot of the faith healers that were very very like loud and you know boisterous what what do they say no there were no prophets that said hey you know this this coronavirus is coming why why don't we get benny hinn to go to go to go heal it they they a lot of them have been really silent yeah they've been silent like i haven't heard anything no so that's 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 the charlatan that's the charlatans and the deceivers and the and the nonsense that irritates me to no mm-hmm. end. It's like that's they get on their platforms and scream to high heavens how they've got this power to do this and that. And well, here we are. Go mm-hmm. do it. They didn't got they got nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of stuff that needs to be called. It needs to be it needs to be utterly eviscerated. It never will because it's I believe it's of Satan mm-hmm. and it's the doctrine of demons that Paul talked about. And all false teaching comes from the pit of hell. So we're always going to have it. It's always going to be there, but God in his grace and mercy can stamp it down for a, for a period, make it lesser so that the, 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 the true gospel and the true preaching can rise up and begin to, to uh, do uh, its work in the lives of people so that God can call, further call his sheep unto himself. And I pray for all that is within me that that's what God's doing. I know he's doing it in our church, mm-hmm. and I know he's going to continue to do that as the word goes out. I just pray that that same reality would be way great, far greater than just our church, because we need all churches coming into a biblical understanding of ministry and the glory of God in these most difficult times. Because you know why? There's no greater time than now. Yeah. No greater time than now for the word of God to go out, because mm-hmm. that's what the world needs. And from a human perspective, right, God is... He is sovereign over all salvation, and he is sovereign over all hearts. He changes hearts however and whenever he pleases. But from a human perspective, now's the time. People are, are ripe and ready for truth, right? We know no man, all men who don't know Christ are blind, and yet at the same time we know that, that God uses pestilence and pain and suffering to awaken the soul mm-hmm. in his sovereign, mysterious drawing of men to himself. And he does that as the word of God correlates with the spirit of God. Mm. And it's our job to get the word of God out. He uses us in that way. No greater time than now. Preach the word, those of you who are out there. Preach it with passion, with purity, and with Christ-centered perseverance. Do not quit. More now than ever. Absolutely. Thank you. And uh, this will conclude this particular podcast. Uh, There is a lot more that I have to talk about with Matt and you will uh, see that next time. Uh, We'll hear that next time. Sorry. Uh, But thank you all for tuning in and listening. Please like and subscribe. And uh, here is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The biblical gospel starts with God. Out of nothing, God made everything, including you and me, to bring himself much pleasure. His purpose for us as humanity was to love, obey, and enjoy him perfectly. Instead of this, man has sinned against our loving creator and acted in rebellion. Since God is good and just, he must punish sin that deserves eternal conscious punishment under God's wrath in hell. But God, being merciful, loving, and gracious, had a plan to punish sin, and so be a just judge 
and yet forgive sinners and so display mercy by sending his own son, Jesus Christ, the co-equal and co-eternal son of God to take on human flesh, fulfilling his perfect requirements in the place of sinners, loving, obeying, and enjoying him perfectly. Furthermore, Jesus bore the full wrath of God upon the cross, and he satisfied the eternal anger of God, standing in a place of sinners, though he was himself perfectly sinless. God showed his acceptance of Christ's sacrifice by raising Jesus from the dead after three days in the grave. Now Jesus commands everyone everywhere to repent, turn from their sin, and believe, trust in him. This is the glorious transaction. God then charges Christ's perfection to the sinner and no longer views him as an enemy, but instead an adopted son and daughters covered in the perfect righteousness of his son. We can now have peace with God and have eternal life with him forever. It's true for every person in every culture, in every place, in every language through all time. So our response to this good news is repentance and faith. Dear hearer, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Turn from your sins. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and this day be reconciled to God. Thank you for tuning in today. Please subscribe to the podcast and send in your questions to thetruthtalkspodcast at gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at the Truth Talks Podcast and visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Bellcroft Bible Church.